Greetings! Oh, welcome back to the podcast. Today's joy is talking about visual impairment. Not really a topic that most people want to talk about, but for families like mine, it's kind of a go-to. You see, when Sam was born, we very quickly realised that something was not right with his vision. Sam, unlike other babies, didn't track objects very well. Or at least he started off tracking things fine. But within a matter of weeks, he seemed to lose that ability. It was one of the first flags for me as his mum that something was definitely not right. Even though at the time I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was. I knew something wasn't quite on as it should be. Fast forward 10 years on. We know an awful lot more now about Sam and how he uses his vision than we did back then. At the time, we were concerned that our baby might be blind. What we didn't realise was that blindness is a very blunt umbrella term. As such, just being called blind doesn't really tell you anything. Let me take you back to when Sam was probably around about four months old, three, four months old. When we were first in that catastrophic phase where everything was horrendous, our baby was in a seizure pretty much constantly and we really didn't know what to expect. At that point, all we knew was that seizures were so severe that Sam just could not use his vision in a meaningful way. At that point, we had no idea what he could or could not see. So the advice we were given was to do exactly as you would do with any other baby. Just keep stimulating his visual pathways. High contrast, so black and white, bright colours, big shapes, keep doing what you're doing. There are a few things in life more soul destroying than trying to engage a child who is completely incapable of interacting and responding. You do feel that you are talking to a doll a lot of the time. And you do have to remind yourself frequently that this too shall pass. It will be worth it. For us, that first 12 months was a hell that neither of us ever want to remember. So we make a point of not doing. We have good memories from Sam's first year. There are quite a lot, actually, in amongst all the chaos and blackness. But we make a point of not dwelling or actively recalling the bad points. Unless we have to. Sometimes we do. This is one of those examples when we do. Sam was about three. And we took him to actually have his sight formally evaluated. One of the first things that they do is they check the retina. They're looking specifically to see, are there any features of the retina that will define a particular condition, for example. In Sam's case, the answer was no. The retina looked very healthy, very normal. This is a good thing. Big tick. Unfortunately, it was at this appointment that we were told, or rather my poor mum was told, because she was the one who'd taken him, I was at work, that they were going to register Sam severely visually impaired. 
In other words, blind. My poor mum absolutely agonised all the way home with her infant grandson at this point. How on earth she was going to tell me this and how she was going to break the news to me. Fearing that I would be absolutely devastated. She was actually quite taken aback, I think, when she gently sat us down and broke the news to us later that evening when I'd got home from work and my husband was home and we both went, oh, yes, we know. Oh. <laughs> but, you see, it's something that doesn't come as a huge shock necessarily when you've already resigned yourself to that fact. It was very obvious to us that Sam couldn't see a lot of things. What was also obvious was that he could see an awful lot more than he was letting on. Now fast forward to about four weeks ago and a very excited phone call from Sam's teacher of the visually impaired. Now I'm going to go off on a tangent here for a moment because obviously I don't do this ever. One of the most important roles that Sam has encountered in his life. There are two women who have taken this role in his life, have been his teachers for the visually impaired. Sam has had two in his life. The first, Karen, was with him from almost day one, really, right up until he started at school. His second, wonderful Rachel, who he's with now, and is every bit as fantastic as Karen was. These two women have been pivotal in Sam's development because neither one of them wrote him off as just a blind child. They did exactly what teachers of the visually impaired should do. They looked at the child they had in front of them and they evaluated what his visual abilities were. By that I don't just mean what he can see but how good his vision was in terms of discrimination in colour, shapes, how good is his distance vision, peripheral vision versus central vision. About four weeks ago we had a very excited phone call from Rachel to tell us that she would like to evaluate Sam's vision according to new criteria that she had recently been trained in. I won't bore you with the whole lot of it because it was a very long meeting of several hours, but what we learnt from reading her report told us more about how our son uses his eyes than we had learnt in over 10 years of taking him to various eye clinics and appointments and just watching what he was doing. Sam has a form of visual impairment called uh, cerebral visual impairment. You may also hear it called cortical visual impairment. Um, there are distinctions between the two, but what it comes down to is the US versus the UK, generally. In Sam's case, what this means is that his brain is so scrambled by the epileptic activity that although his eye and his optic nerve are perfectly healthy, the brain cannot interpret the signals it's receiving. 
So Sam's view of the world is very different to yours or mine. It also means, in Sam's case, that his peripheral vision is much clearer than the vision in front of his eyes. So if you imagine looking to the side, that's pretty much what my son's vision is like. It explained an awful lot about how Sam uses his eyes and what we thought was Sam not using his eyes correctly. When in fact what he was doing was actually positioning his head and his eyes in a way that maximised his vision for him. We learnt that one of the characteristics of children with CVI is that they will look for an object first, then turn their head away and reach for it. It's that disconnect between the looking and reaching that is a characteristic. We'd never noticed this before, but as soon as we were told about it and started watching, we could see it really clearly. For us, the most exciting part of this was seeing Sam as we were talking with his teacher about his vision and seeing him smile and nodding as she was telling us things. It's very clear that this little boy of ours is incredibly intelligent. The problem isn't that he can't do things, it's that we need to learn how to do things to help him to maximise his abilities. And one thing that has become very clear over lockdown is just how able he is. I'm starting to feel that he isn't the one with the disabilities, but I am. And actually, it's me that needs training in how to best learn how to help him to maximise his potential. And surely that's the same for all of us. If you have a child who is visually impaired, all I can say is don't give up ever. Keep learning about them. Keep reading up. Keep talking to your teacher for the visually impaired. These people are incredible and they have a wealth of experience. What I've learnt about my son over lockdown has been phenomenal, but what I've learnt about his vision in the last four weeks just blows my mind. I can't wait, really, to see what happens over the next few weeks of the summer holidays. I'm actually quite excited about it. Oh, well. That brings me to the end of this podcast. Um, Join me in August when I may have an update for you. We shall see. Until then, take care. Bye for now.